Somebody asked, uh, how, do you avoid sh how do you avoid showing off? Especially if you're a person who is productive, is gifted in some way, right? If you're gifted in some way, if you're a gifted student, a gifted individual, you're valued at work, people praise you, you get praises every now and then. Then how do you be sincere to Allah in that? So number one, they say don't give up the work just because you're insincere. That's what shaitan wants. They don't want the good work, if it's good work at least. Carry on the work and constantly be conscious that I'm doing this for Allah. So this is the benefit. Number one, I'm doing it for Allah. Why? Because Allah is the one who's given me this. I didn't have to be here. I didn't choose to be gifted this way. Um, you know, there's a lot of other people who aren't as smart as me, who aren't as savvy as myself. I am savvy, I am smart, that's why I got this. But who made me smart and savvy? Oh, it's in your genes because your father and mother are smart. Who did that to them? How far are you going to go to try to attribute to somebody other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So always think, this is, this is what really helps me to think at the end of the day, if I'm doing this, alhamdulillah, thank you Allah for giving me this opportunity. It's all yours, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. That's very, very important. And number two, what's going to, you see, how to think this way, the easiest way to get yourself to start thinking about this is to increase your remembrance in Allah. If you don't sit down and take the name of Allah and do dhikr of Allah, then why would you think about Allah? That's the benefit when you sit down and you do any form of dhikr. What that does is that it, you're putting Allah in your heart. So then when the time comes, Allah is easier to remember. It's easier to focus on Allah. That's what I find. Because the name of Allah softens the heart. So that shaitan can't overcome it and make it hard and focused in the wrong direction as easily. Because the heart is soft. When, you see, when you do dhikr of Allah, the benefit will be that you will attribute things to Allah rather than yourself. Because when you remember Allah, it softens the heart. So the arrogance is depleted and minimized. The pride is reduced. And the connection with Allah grows. That's the benefit of it. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi hamdan kathiran tayyiban mubarakan fi mubarakan alayhi kama yuhibbu rabbuna wa yarda jalla jalaluhu wa amma nawaluh wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidil habib al-mustafa sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd. Qala al-harith al-muhasibi rahimahullah. Harith al-Muhasibi says in his Risala, he says, وَعْلَمْ أَنَّهُ لَا يُرْضَى مِنَ الْعِلْمِ وَالْعَمَلِ إِلَّا مَا ثَبَتَ بِالْيَقِينِ أَصْلُهُ وَعَلَى بِالصِّدْقِ فَرْعُهُ وَأَثْمَرَ بِالْوَرَعِ نَبَاتُهُ وَقَامَ بِالْإِشْفَاقِ بُرْهَانُهُ وَحُجِبَ بِالْخَشْيَةِ أَسْتَارُهُ فلا ترضى من نفسك بالتواني فإنه لا عذر لأحد في التفريط ولا لأحد عن الله غنا a uh, number of encapsulated beautiful advices. He says, know that only that knowledge and that action is going to be satisfied with by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to achieve satisfaction. 
that is based on yaqeen, that is established with certainty. So anything of our deen, as we know, has to be established with certainty. So its basis has to be certain. Its basis has to be proven. We can't make things up about how we please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They have to have a basis. So when we want to devote ourselves to Allah and offer Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala some worship, either it must come directly from the Quran and Sunnah that the Prophet said, do this, or Allah says, do this. And the Prophet said, this is what you get reward for if you do this directly, clearly. For example, Prophet said, Aftalu dhikri la ilaha illallah. The most virtuous dhikr is la ilaha illallah. And subhanallah, alhamdulillah, and these they will fill up your scale on the day of judgment. And if you do salawat on the Prophet you send one blessing. Salawat means durud, means blessing. You are asking Allah to send blessings on the Prophet That's essentially what durud sharif is. When you say, Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad, as we just did. It's like, oh Allah, send your blessings on Muhammad And the most amazing thing is that the Prophet doesn't need any more from us. Allah has given him enough and has promised him enough and has showered him with sufficient and will shower him and has promised him. But I think this is only to benefit us because number one, it reminds us of who Rasulullah is. Because then we remember him. Every time you send blessings on the Prophet and especially when you hear the virtues of sending blessings on the Prophet and how people's lives have improved how the blessings have increased in their homes, in their life, in their health. When they've started to increase in their blessings on the Prophet ﷺ, somebody says that they just started a hundred times after every prayer. And he said, amazingly, things started becoming so much easy and facilitation, lots of ease came in and so on. So what it does is that it connects us with the Prophet because we remember him when you're saying blessings. Why would you send blessing on somebody that you can't connect yourself with? Why would you send blessings, sit there and hundred times say, Allahumma salli ala Muhammad, if you had no affinity with the Prophet If you didn't care for him, if you did not respect him, revere him, why would you say that? So when we do this, we're honoring the Prophet We're trying to. May Allah accept it from our uh, unclean mouth sometimes. May Allah accept it. So, but then Allah promises, uh, the Prophet said, whoever sends one blessing like that on me, Allah will send them ten blessings. Subhanallah. So, all of these things are known. Number two, you can also do those things which are inspired through the Sharia, inspired through the Quran. They may not be directly mentioned. But, they don't, but what you're doing is not going against anything that the Quran Sunnah is telling you. In fact, it goes in the corners like, remember the name of your Lord, and you find different ways to take the name of Allah that you find effective, that comforts you. Ya Allah, Allah. You know, or just in your mind, you're just thinking about Allah. Allah says, take the name of your Lord. He doesn't say how. You know, it's not restricted. You, your tongue should be, your tongue should be constantly moist with the remembrance of Allah. If that's the case, then your heart, the tongue is supposed to be just 
an access to the heart, a pathway to the heart. The heart is really the place of dhikr because it's it's the hearts that gain tranquility through the remembrance of Allah. The remembrance can be made in any way. So you can have remembrance with your tongue. Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, recitation of the Quran. This is all dhikr. That's supposed to, it's all supposed to go to the heart. Number two, you could listen to the dhikr and that should go to the heart. So you, you, you don't want to read, you just want to listen to the remembrance of Allah, whether that be Quran recitation or something else. Um, number three, you just want to sit in Makkah and look at the Kaaba and remember Allah that way. You can memorize the Quran. You can just think about Allah then. That's direct then. That's very difficult because thinking, there's a lot of competition in thinking, especially when we live in a distracted times. So, you know, while you could have a tasbih and say, Subhanallah, 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 because you've got a reminder. Tasbih is a reminder. It it's, keeps you on track. Even if your mind wanders, you're still doing the tongue. But you see, you can, can disconnect the tongue from the heart. So you could be doing dhikr, but your mind could be, mashallah, uh, wandering around many other places. But if you are then trying to do dhikr with your heart, where you're just the whole, your focus is dhikr, you're not saying anything with your tongue. You're doing a thorn meditation. It's going to be very difficult because there's too much competition. So you'll be doing it for a moment and then suddenly you'll get distracted. Another thought will come in your mind. Something as simple as, is anybody watching me? Or that noise. So you can hear that noise. You become, you see, when you think with your heart and you're not distract, or you're trying not to distract yourself from anything, what happens is that you become more aware of everything around you. Otherwise, that child making noise, we, can't, we couldn't hear him. But suddenly when you said, now you can hear them. So that, that's the challenge of dhikr with the heart. But if it's done well, then that is the most powerful dhikr because it's where it's supposed to go to. It's the hearts that connect. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't look at your bodies. That means the tongue or whatever. It looks at the heart. Is that dhikr going to the heart? So... Anything that is established directly in Quran Sunnah or inspired by the Quran Sunnah does not go against the Quran Sunnah, then you can do that. So first he says that only that will be accepted, only that Allah will be satisfied. Why? If you make up your own way to remember to think that that is the best way to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or that's the best way to do a worship to Allah, that if I go Instead of Hajj every year, if I go to a certain other place and go around um, that particular tree, I know nobody's crazy enough to do that, but you know, that's essentially how things come in. That's extreme. Then you don't get any reward for that. In fact, that's completely wrong. They won't, there's no satisfaction, not even accepted. Then he says, this is very interesting. He makes it seem like something that you establish in the ground, like a tree. So he says that firstly, any deed must be established firmly with certainty through the Qur'an and Sunnah, through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then, its branches can only prosper through truthfulness. So you have to be truthful in your approach, which means sincerity in your approach. Then it will go up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it will have branches from that trunk. So the action starts off with certainty being established from Qur'an and Sunnah. Then after that you have to have ikhlas and sincerity to let it prosper 
and let it get somewhere. And then he says, وَأَثْمَرَ بِالْوَرَعِ نَبَاتُهُ Then if you want it to flower off the branches, if you want the flowers to appear and it be adorned, then you need scrupulousness, you need to be particular, you need to be careful, you need to be precautious. And then after that he mentions a number of other things, uh, the importance of compassion, the feeling of compassion and softness in the heart. Then he talks about fear. The fear needs to also be there, otherwise what's going to happen is that you could be affected negatively. Uh, you have to put a veil of fear that maybe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept it. Unless I do it well. Unless I satisfy Allah and do it for the right reason. So he says, don't, don't accept for yourself. Don't be satisfied with yourself for doing things in a languid fashion, in a lazy fashion, or in an excessive fashion, in the wrong fashion. Because there's no excuse for anybody to exaggerate, to go overboard or to have shortcoming. You can easily do it. And the other thing is he says that you need to do it properly because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is independent. He doesn't need anybody. So we need him. So that's why we're trying to make an effort. May Allah keep us on the straight path. The next piece of advice he gives is وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ مِنْ سَعَادَةِ الْمَرْءِ حُسْنَ النِّيَّةِ فِيمَا عِنْدَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَالتَّوْفِيقَ لِمَحَابِّهِ وَمَنْ أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا وَهَبَ لَهُ الْعَقْلِ وَحَبَّبَ إِلَيْهِ الْعِلْمِ Ya Allah He says, know that if a man is going to be fortunate, if a person is going to be considered fortunate in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then he gets husnun niyyah. His intention starts to become correct and beautiful and excellent in everything. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Ramadan is coming. Why am I going to focus in Ramadan on these worships? Why am I going to recite Quran? So I can say I finished five Qurans, three Qurans, 15 Qurans, one Quran, you know, whatever standard you set for yourself. You know, some people, they, their, their group are people who just about finish a Qur'an. So for them, yeah, mashallah, I finished the Qur'an. And which is good, alhamdulillah, as long as it's not for the sake of showing off. And if you're half is of the Qur'an, then you want to do it 10, 15 times. That's one time. You only did it one time. It's nothing. If you're half is of the Qur'an and everybody is half is, you only did it once. You know, for the group that you're in, it's, that's nothing. So then the competition is 5, 10, 15 times. So... If you want to be a fortunate person in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, excellent niyyah, excellent intention for that which is by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's very, very important. I want to achieve what's in Allah. And this is exactly what the Prophet tells us about Ramadan. Man saama Ramadana imanan wahtisaban, ghufira lahu ma taqaddama min dhambih. Whoever fasts Ramadan, we all fast Ramadan. But that's because everybody fasts Ramadan. So we fast Ramadan. It'll feel really weird to be a Muslim and not fast. That's not good enough. If our intention is just, just Muslims have to fast, so you know what, I'm just going to fast just for that reason. Otherwise, you know, I can't be that messed up that I don't even fast. You know, like I'm not that messed up. No, we need to have a higher aspiration. Why are you fasting? So the Prophet ﷺ gave us an example. He said that whoever fasts in Ramadan with Iman, so obviously he's not staying hungry for no reason. He's not staying hungry for diet purposes. 
You know, mashallah, we have uh, many non-Muslims in their affinity with Muslims. They've got Muslim friends. They uh, also fast in the month of Ramadan. They also withhold eating. Of course, there's no ibadah aspect in there. They might be doing for their own, um, you know, you, particular personal spiritual reasons, but there's no faith in there. So you can't be imanan. But then the Prophet said, ihtisaban, which means in anticipation. He didn't say in anticipation for what? You can fill that in. What are you anticipating from Allah in your fast this month? What are you going to anticipate? Are you anticipating reward? Are you anticipating blessings, forgiveness, mercy, assistance, happiness, Jannah, satisfaction, good life, company of Rasulullah or all of those things. You can only be limited by your intention. So I think it would really, really be beneficial if we can focus before our first fast at least, before Ramadan begins or as Ramadan begins. These are all the reasons I'm fasting. I expect, because fasting is for Allah, it's that one deed which has to be for Allah. Can't be any two ways about it. Why? Why would you stay hungry if it was for someone else? You just eat and just tell them I'm fasting. Right? Eat in secret. Just tell them you're fasting. You know, if you are going to stay hungry, then there must be some element of it being for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You know? So, Allah rewards with it directly. So, if we have hope in Allah that He's going to reward us in all of these different things and Allah has abundantly and He's generous as well and He likes to give then He's gonna give so let's hope for more let's go for more that's why He opens up the doors of paradise doors of paradise and then He says look I'm gonna give you an example of what I like to give in Ramadan all of your fard worships which you're gonna to have to do in Ramadan if you're a practicing Muslim I'm gonna increase it 70 times like just 1 to 70 straight away just to give us an idea of what kind of thing is in store in Ramadan, what Allah wants to give. When do you think, out of the whole year, when do you think Muslims are most generous? When do they give the most? In Ramadan. Why do they give the most in Ramadan? Because of the special blessings. Because Allah is most generous. And the Prophet ﷺ was most generous. So we become more generous. It's an effect of your belief that you're able to give more. Right, either because of the extreme rewards or you just feel better about it or because you're fasting and you feel whatever the cause is. So Allah is most generous. You can't compete with Allah. You can't compete with His Messenger. So if people are so generous and they feed so many people in Ramadan and they give so much sadaqah and zakat and everything, imagine what Allah is giving. So... You must have husnun niyyah fi ma'indallah. Have an excellent intention of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has. وَالتَّوْفِيقَ لِمَحَابِهِ And um, if somebody... Uh, another thing which is among the fortunate things for believers is you are enabled to do those things which Allah loves. You naturally feel inclined and you get to do things that are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's tawfiq li mahabihi. Tawfiq means you're divinely inspired to do that which is beloved to Allah. So if you feel like I must pray, and prayer is of course beloved to Allah, you're divinely inspired. Like I must fast, I must assist others, I must be a good person.
I must restrain myself. I must avoid being harmful to others. I must avoid cursing and swearing. I must avoid expressing bad conduct to somebody. I must avoid cheating, swearing. I feel guilty about that. All of those things are beloved to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If that's the case, that means that you've been given tawfiq. Now that's where it gets scary that if there is something good, we know it's good, but we don't feel like it. It's difficult for us to do. That means the full tawfiq isn't there. The full enablement isn't there. And it can't. And if we had enablement, can, just imagine this. You know when you go into the, the wine aisles in a supermarket? If you're a person who likes to go through, you know, you go to shop somewhere, I mean, like Costco or somewhere like that, and you just go through all the aisles here if you need something, right? I mean, of course, if you're a smart shopper, you know exactly what you want, you know exactly where to get. You don't want to look at anything new, then you just go there and get those things, right? Some husbands are like that. They have a, a list. They have no idea how to shop. They just go and then they pick up the first tomato sauce that they've been on. The wife tells them off, that was the wrong one. When you check, there's five tomato sauces you get in Tesco, right? You pick the wrong one. You find the most expensive one. I didn't need that one. But you pick the cheapest one. But others, they like to shop. But you know when you get to the winers, there's two, three winers, you just have to ignore them. Do you feel bad about ignoring them? Do you feel like, let me just check it out at least? No. Why? Because the switch is closed. There's no, there's no vista in our mind. There's no switch. Alhamdulillah. You know, how much money saved, how much harm is prevented, that you don't have to worry about those aisles. When a person looks at his, he's got a, Absolutely beautiful sister, uh, an auntie, a daughter. He looks at there's no shahwa, there's no desire. It's closed. That door is closed. Looks at others, it's a temptation. But here it's closed. That's the beauty. If our behavior can be like that, if our internal emotions can be like that, where when it comes to good deeds, it's open. We want to do them. We enjoy doing them. And when it's something bad, I don't feel like doing them. Or it's easy to avoid them. I don't know. I mean, there's always going to be challenges. There's always weaknesses. But the more wrongs that we can be switched off from, the better. That's tawfiq from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's developing an immunity. It's developing an immunity. Somebody asked... Uh, how do, you avoid sh how do you avoid showing off? Especially if you're a person who is productive, is gifted in some way, right? If you're gifted in some way, if you're a gifted student, a gifted individual, you're valued at work, people praise you, you get praises every now and then. Then how do you be sincere to Allah in that? So number one, they say don't give up the work just because you're insincere. That's what shaitan wants. They don't want the good work. If it's good work at least. Carry on the work and constantly be conscious that I'm doing this for Allah. So this is the benefit. Number one, I'm doing it for Allah. Why? Because Allah is the one who's given me this. I didn't have to be here. I didn't choose to be gifted this way. Um, you know, there's a lot of other people who aren't as smart as me. Who aren't as savvy as myself. I am savvy, I am smart, that's why I got this. But who made me smart and savvy? 
Oh, it's in your genes because your father and mother are smart. Who did that to them? How far are you going to go to try to attribute it to somebody other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So always think, this is, this is what really helps me to think at the end of the day, if I'm doing this, alhamdulillah, thank you Allah for giving me this opportunity. It's all yours, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. That's very, very important. And number two, what's gonna, you see, how to think this way, the easiest way to get yourself to start thinking about this is to increase your remembrance in Allah. If you don't sit down and take the name of Allah and do dhikr of Allah, then why would you think about Allah? That's the benefit when you sit down and you do any form of dhikr. What that does is that it, you're putting Allah in your heart. So then when the time comes, Allah is easier to remember. It's easier to focus on Allah. That's what I find. Because the name of Allah softens the heart. So that shaitan can't overcome it and make it hard and focused in the wrong direction as easily. Because the heart is soft. When, you see, when you do dhikr of Allah, the benefit will be that you will attribute things to Allah rather than yourself. Because when you remember Allah, it softens the heart. So the arrogance is depleted and minimized. The pride is reduced. And the connection with Allah grows. That's the benefit of it. Then he says, Woman arad Allahu bihi khayran. Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends good for, Whoever Allah intends that he wants to give him something good. This is really interesting. He says Allah will give him intelligence. So that means that all the very intellectuals of the world and the intelligent people of the world, they are uh, given a gift of God. Well, that is a gift of God, but they're misapp- not all of them are valuing it and using it in the right way. Some of the criminals are very gifted with a certain type of intelligence to figure out how to run the scam, how to cheat somebody, and how to commit a fraud. They're they're very intelligent. They could have had two PhDs, some of these people. They're very, very intelligent. But no, that's not. The aql here is the one that thinks straight. The aql is the one that thinks prudently for the hereafter. Any intelligence that is just focused on the next 50, 60 years of this world, of their life, or the world, or that is restricted to this world is not good, good enough. It has to take the next life and the future into consideration. That's proper intelligence. Otherwise, it's short-sightedness. Because it's a reality to, to be in the next world. And everything we do here is going to impact the next world. So if somebody's just focusing, like if you tell a student, right, who's just focused on today of just passing the exam, this is a student's gone to university and his focus is just to pass the exam. Just he's not caring about the kind of job he may want to look for, the position he wants to be in, what he wants to do with his degree. He just wants to pass. That's short-sightedness, isn't it? And you've got another student, his focus is the reason I'm studying this well is because this is going to help me in that job that I want, in that position I'm after. That's what you call more intelligent. So that's why likewise, because the hereafter is going to come, it's inevitable, we believe in it, it's our belief and so on. Then we better focus on that. So we better do everything in this world, our intention needs to be for that world as well. That's proper intelligence. That's the intelligence that he's speaking about, where he says that whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends good with, then he gives him al-aql, wahabba ilayhi al-ilm. And number two, what he does is that he makes knowledge beloved to him. 
sacred knowledge, beneficial knowledge, knowledge, knowledge that is supposed to take you where things are beneficial for you, which is knowledge of the hereafter and how to make this world the greatest benefit for the sake of the hereafter. That's essentially what it is. That's why what the ulama write is this. They say that if you've got, uh, you know, there are some certain commitments we must do in this life, right? In our deen. Those are called fara'is. Fara'id, right? Obligations. The, there's no negotiation with that. We must do our salats and fasting and so on. Once you've done all of that, then there's a number of optional acts that we do. Uh, give me an example of an optional act. So optional acts would be like nafil prayers. Optional prayers that are not obligated. Optional fasting. What else is optional and praiseworthy? Charity. Another one is... Um, you know, to, in order to do the obligatory acts like salat and fasting and hajj and, and so on, that also includes obligatory knowledge. Because if you don't have obligatory knowledge, you won't do your salat properly. You won't do your fasting properly. You won't do purification properly. You won't do your business properly. So if you have a business, then it's obligatory for you to learn the basics of business rulings. That much is obligatory. It's not just an option. But then to learn beyond the optional things, right? Optional knowledge, more hadiths about different virtues that are not obligatory. So if you compare now nafal worships and nafal knowledge, so you know how to pray and everything, but you don't know the seerah enough. You don't know tafsir of the Quran enough. That's all nafal. It's not, it's not obligatory. As long as you know enough to get by in your... Uh, belief and oblig uh, worships, that's enough, but this is optional. So, if you had time just for one thing and not the other, what is superior? Do nafal prayers or nafal studies? Like taking a class once or twice a week, or every day for that matter, of tafsir or aqeed, extra aqeedah or hadith or extra uh, seerah or something, or spending time doing nafils. What is superior? وَعْلَمْ أَنَّ الْإِشْتِغَالَ بِالنَّافِلَةِ مِنَ الْعِلْمِ أَفْضَلُ مِنَ الْإِشْتِغَالِ بِالنَّافِلَةِ مِنَ الْعِبَادَةِ Know that occupying yourself with optional knowledge pursuits is superior to occupying yourself with nafil worships. وَعَلَى ذَلِكَ الْأَئِمَّةُ الْأَرْبَعَةُ وَغَيْرُهُمْ مِنْ أَسَاطِينِ الْإِسْلَامِ This is the position of the four imams and all the other great pillars of our religion. Many of them actually did both. So it's not mutually soon, I can only do this. But they're just giving you a scenario. If I can only do one, I can go to that class or I can do nafal prayers. Which one? Go to the class and learn something. Of course, correct intention and everything. But many scholars, they talk about like Ibn al-Jawzi, he speaks about how difficult it is because he was trying to get to high levels of ibadah, extra ibadah. Not just few extra nafil prayers, lots of nafil prayers, spending the, half the night in something. And also studying for so many hours. So he says, it's so tough. I want the best in here and I want the best in here. And it's so difficult to do. You know? Imam Shafi's student, whose name was Rabi ibn Sulaiman al-Muradi. Rabi. 
is one of his most famous students. You know, we have Imam Abu Yusuf and Imam Muhammad for Imam Abu Hanifa. So Rabi is one of those for Imam Shafi'i. He says, I heard Shafi'i saying, Talabul ilmi afdalu min nafila. Studying something new of sacred knowledge is superior to praying nafil prayers. This is not just random university courses. This is proper sacred knowledge we're speaking about. Imam al-Kashmiri says uh, in his commentary of Sahih al-Bukhari, he says, وَلَا تُنْكِرْ فَضْلَ الْعِلْمِ Don't reject and deny the virtues of sacred knowledge. فَإِنَّ مَالِكًا وَأَبَا حَنِيفَةَ رَحِمَهُمَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى ذَهَبَا إِلَىٰ أَنَّ الْإِشْتِغَالَ بِالْعِلْمِ خَيْرٌ مِنْ إِشْتِغَالِ بِالنَّوَافِلِ Both Imam Malik and Imam Abu Hanifa رَحِمَهُمَ اللَّهُ They were of the position that occupying yourself with knowledge is superior to occupying yourself with nafil if it's one over the other. Imam Ahmad had two opinions about this. One is that ilm is more fadila, and the other one is jihad was more fadila. So he, he, he had that position because that was a need of the time. Right? It's related that Abdullah, the son of Ahmad ibn Hanbal, rahimahullah, the son of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, he says, Abu Zur'a al-Razi, a big scholar, came to Baghdad. Remember, Ahmad ibn Hanbal was in Baghdad. And Razi is from Ray, which is near Tehran today, right? He came and he stayed with my father, or close to my, he stayed with my father. And he would do lots of, they would, they would talk about knowledge a lot. They would be teaching, studying, right? And he said, one day I, I heard my father during that period when that sheikh visited, you know, like you have our big shuyuk when they visit, especially in Ramadan or some other time, right? You know, they come, they stay for one or two weeks or whatever. I don't know how long he stayed. But Imam Ahmed's son says that I heard my father saying that, Ma al-fard. Today I've not performed any salat except the fard prayer. I preferred to have this teaching and studying with Abu Zur'a al-Razi over my nawafil today. There's numerous stories of it. Inshallah, we can try to cover that some other time. But don't get this wrong. The idea of this is that if you're sincerely and genuinely seeking good knowledge and because of that you can't do worship. For example, Imam Nawi had 12 lessons a day. An hour lessons, 12 lessons a day, back to back. Where did he get time to do anything else from? I don't know. Once Ibn al-Jawzi says that there used to be from one lesson to the other, and they used to try to eat the most basic food. And he said, once I decided that I want to buy some fish because I saw some fish. The guy selling fish, it looked really good, so I bought it. Took it home. I had another class, so I went there. Another class, another for the next few days. And it was by the time the fish got rotten. And I wasn't able to cook it. That's how they are what they are. And that's how they've done. I mean, we're not saying everybody must do it that way. But subhanAllah, it's inspirational, man. It's very inspirational. May Allah give us the tawfiq to study for the right reason. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept us to do those things which are for those things that He loves.
اللهم انت السلام ومنك السلام تبارك يا الجلال والاكرام اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث اللهم يا حنان يا منان لا اله الا انت سبحانك انا كنا من الظالمين يا ذا الجلال والاكرام يا معدن الجود والكرم يا اكرم الاكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المعطين اكرمنا اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا ورزقنا اللهم اغفر لامه سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الاحياء منهم والاموات يا الله have mercy on us يا الله we ask for your generosity your forgiveness we ask you for your توفيق for your enablement to do that which pleases you oh allah protect us from that which you are displeased with make your worship beloved to our hearts make your disobedience hated in our hearts ya allah ya allah we want to do good we start the day thinking that we want to do good but by the evening we have turned in a different direction oh allah protect us from denial protect us from negligence protect us from indulgence in the wrong things protect us from excessive desires protect us from shortness shortness of vision in what is really beneficial for us allow us and grant us good intellect sound intellect that aql which focuses all the way to the hereafter as ambition and goal is you oh allah make our goal your pleasure make our goal your love oh allah grant us your love and the love of those whose love will benefit us in your court oh allah bless us during these days so that we can have everything ready for the month of ramadan so that we can benefit from this month of ramadan that is coming up oh allah make this ramadan like no other before it make it better than any before it oh allah accept from us oh allah bring us close to you in this month of ramadan protect the entire world protect the entire muslims oh allah the entire muslim community remove the subjugation and oppression Oh Allah bring back insaniyat and humanity to the human being oh Allah assist us and protect us from the disease that is still going around oh Allah help everybody and accept from us whatever little we offer you and accept us all for the service of your deen subhana rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin the point of a lecture is to encourage people to act to get further an inspiration an encouragement persuasion the next step is to actually start learning seriously to read books to take on a subject of islam and to understand all the subjects of islam at least at their basic level so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us uh, and that's why we started uh, rayyan courses so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time especially for example the islamic essentials uh, course that we have on there the islamic essentials certificate which you take 20 short modules and at the end of that inshallah you will have gotten the the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in islam and you'll feel a lot more confident you don't have to leave lectures behind you can continue to leave uh, you know to listen to lectures but you need to have this more sustained study as well jazakallah khairan assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh